Hey there, MLB Morning Coffee listeners. Love the show? Well, now we are open to advertising opportunities. Get your name and your brand on our show daily. Email greg.moraz, that's G-R-E-G dot M-R-O-Z at yahoo.com to learn how you can be a part of this program. Advertising opportunities now available here on MLB Morning Coffee. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ah, yes. Welcome on into another edition of MLB Morning Coffee. From the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California, my name is Greg Moraz. Thank you very much for coming along for the ride. I hope that you have enjoyed our playoff recap so far. I'm going to continue to do them in the style that I have been doing them. So if you like them, write a review on them, leave a rating, and of course, subscribe. Unsubscribe, then resubscribe. It helps out our metrics tremendously. Also, if you are an Amazon Music user, we are now on Amazon Music because Amazon Music has podcasts. I would put the link up on social, but I don't have an Amazon Music account, and quite frankly, I don't want to pay for one. I already have Apple Music and Apple Podcasts, and that's good by me. But if you have one, you should definitely go listen to us on Amazon Music. Also, tell your friends about the show. Maybe they have Amazon Music. And also make sure, if you want to advertise with us, that you email me at greg.moraz at yahoo.com. Maybe the good folks at Amazon Music would send me a request for some advertising. Although Amazon, I feel like, is on every single platform you can find. Everybody knows about Amazon. Why do they even need to advertise? Anyway, we had another great day of baseball yesterday. I want to start with the American League Championship Series because, my goodness, if the old adage of defense wins championships is actually true, then the type of defense that the Tampa Bay Rays are playing in this series against the Houston Astros speaks volumes for that cliche actually being true. So the Rays are up 2-0 in this series. Bottom of the first inning, the Astros are the home team. Ryan Yarbrough is the starter for Tampa. He's normally what they call their bulk pitcher, which is the guy that pitches starter amount of innings out of the bullpen after they use that opener. So Yarbrough's a guy that can go five to six innings if he needs to. He got the start tonight because Tampa doesn't want to waste anybody as an opener in case Yarbrough isn't able to actually go into that seventh inning if he indeed came in for the third, which is how the Rays have structured that. But anyways, Jose Altuve came to the plate, and he wanted to make an impact early. In case anyone's watching, Altuve turns one around, deep left field, and it's gone! Jose Altuve with a home run! His second home run of this championship series. Twice he has gone deep in the first inning. And the Astros strike first. So Jose Altuve hits a home run in the first inning for the second straight game. Brian Anderson on TBS would go on to say that it was the fourth homer of the postseason for Altuve. However, also worth noting in that inning, Alex Bregman hit a high fly to deep center field. Kevin Kiermeyer leaped up and almost took a home run away. He caught the ball. It was an amazing catch. I say almost because I don't think the ball was going out of the yard. 
but it definitely would have been a double, possibly a triple, if Kiermaier doesn't catch that baseball. This is not the first we would see of great outfield defense tonight. Oh, no, 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 no. Not by a long shot. We'll fast forward you to the bottom of the third inning. It is still a 1-0 game. Ryan Yarbrough on the hill. Two on, two out for Houston. Carlos Correa at the plate. And Kevin Kiermeyer. well, let's just say he did it again. And he sends one to center field. Kiermaier on the run. He lays out and makes another great catch. Oh, my goodness. Kiermaier with that catch probably saved two runs, but he kept it a 1-0 ball game in favor of Houston. So it remains 1-0 until we go into the top of the sixth inning. Both starters still in the game at that point, Ryan Yarbrough for Tampa Bay and Jose Urquidy for Houston. And Urquidy had been pitching fairly well. However, he runs into some big trouble through no fault of his own. So top six, Randy Arozarena who has just been red hot in the postseason, singles against Urquidy to start the inning. So the tying run is aboard. This is when I believe the play of the game happened, or one of the plays of the game, at least on the Astros' side. Jose Altuve made a big error in the first inning yesterday that allowed Tampa to score big in that inning. It allowed for the Manuel Margot three-run homer. Ground ball from Brandon Lau to Altuve. A chance for a double play. Altuve fields it and then spikes the throw to second. It skips past Carlos Correa, who was covering, and into left field. A Rosarena safe at second, Lau safe at first. What could have potentially been a double play is now a first and second with nobody out situation with the go-ahead run on first base. Very few people are going to have any sympathy for anything negative that Jose Altuve does. This was a simplistic play, and he just absolutely spiked the throw. It was a terrible throw, one throw that would make you think that he had the yips over at second base. They kept talking about it on the broadcast. I haven't seen enough of Jose Altuve's defensive struggles to tell you one way or another. All I can tell you is it was a terrible throw. However, because of that error, Dusty Baker lifted Jose Urquidy in favor of the hard-throwing Inoli Paredes. Yandy Diaz comes up next, and he singles. That loads the bases, or Rosarena is not able to score. So with the bases loaded and nobody out, Joey Wendell steps to the plate against Paredes. Wendell's very fast, tough to double up. And he slaps one, and it's down a base hit, just over the glove of Bregman into left field. A Rosarena's in, right behind him is Lau, and the Rays have the lead. Joey Wendell has been an unsung hero for Tampa Bay in these playoffs. He plays great defense, he gets on base, he steals bases, he just finds ways to make an impact, and it is hard to dislike somebody for being able to do that. So it's 2-1, and that brings up Manuel Margot. He lays down a miserable sacrifice bunt, but it works. He ends up getting in the way of Martin Maldonado, the new catcher who came in when Paredes came in because Urquidy likes working with Dustin Garneau. Anyways, Margot pops it up. He stands in the box for a moment. He's able to get out, and Maldonado runs into him. Maldonado is not able to actually get the baseball. Umpires say no interference. It works out. 
and the Rays have runners at second and third with nobody out. Fun fact, the Rays did not have a single sacrifice bunt in the regular season, and the Rays also are the only team to have a sacrifice bunt during the postseason. So bravo to you, Manuel Margot, and maybe it's Manuel Margot that's just having these reverse trends because he didn't have any homers in the regular season, and he now has three in the playoffs. So, Kevin Kiermeyer steps up next against Paredes, and he gets hit by a pitch on his hand. He has to leave the game after he runs. So he runs the bases for the rest of the inning, but he leaves the game before the next defensive half inning. Kiermeyer on TBS after the game said that he is all right. He hopes he can play today, and we hope that he can too. He's a really fun player to watch out in center field, and he is the longest-tenured Tampa Bay Ray. So bases are loaded, 2-1 in favor of Tampa. Willie Adamas is the next batter. He gets hit by a pitch as well, forces home Yandy Diaz, and it's 3-1 Tampa Bay. Dusty Baker goes back to the bullpen, and he brings in Brooks Raley. Now this is a brilliant move by Kevin Cash. He knows he's going to have to pull Kevin Kiermeyer because after he's done running the bases he is going to have to go in for x-rays. So Kiermaier is effectively told he's out of the game once he's done running the bases. Now, if you had put somebody in to run for him, it more than likely would have been Hunter Renfro, a right-handed hitter. When they brought Brooks Raley into the ball game, it was to face catcher Michael Perez, a left-handed hitter. So knowing that he was going to have to replace Kiermaier anyway... He goes with Hunter Renfro, who kills lefties. Now, he could have put Mike Zanino in, but he was going to have to put Zanino in anyway if he replaced Michael Perez. So, because you put Renfro in, you can double switch that spot. Renfro can take the outfield spot, and then Zanino can go in Kiermaier's spot in the lineup. That's exactly what they decided to do. And let's just say Kevin Cash... That man continues to pull the right strings. Here comes San Renfro, little flare. That's got a chance to fall, and it's going to fall. A base hit. Wendell scores. Kiermaier right behind him. And Hunter Renfro with a two-RBI double. Two-RBI on the pinch hit for Renfro. It's a 5-1 lead for Tampa Bay. They would end up with five in that inning. Houston scores one in the bottom of the sixth inning on a leadoff solo shot from Michael Brantley. Ryan Yarbrough is pulled after that. They put in Peter Fairbanks. Fairbanks is perfect. He ends up getting Alex Bregman to ground out, Carlos Correa to ground out, and Kyle Tucker to ground out. John Curtis comes in for the seventh. He makes a fantastic defensive play on a ground ball from Yuli Gurriel. Then, Josh Reddick pinch hits. He singles. Martin Maldonado strikes out. George Springer then comes up, and George Springer has a chance to do some damage, but that old guy out in right field, Hunter Renfro, who had just come into the ball game a couple of innings earlier, he then decides, I'm going to join the party in the Rays outfield, and I got to tell you, the audio does not do it justice here. Springer in the air, right field, coming in Renfro, he lays out, and he makes the catch! Oh, it's a clinic for the Rays defensively! 
I agree, Brian Anderson. It was indeed a clinic, and the clinic was not finished. I want to shift now to the bottom of the eighth inning. It is still a 5-2 ball game at this point, and John Curtis goes back out to the hill. He had come into the ball game to start the seventh inning. He goes back out to begin the eighth. And we only have one more highlight for you, but I really want to walk you through this inning because I think it's very important. Jose Altuve steps in. They have the shift on to have him pull. He goes the opposite way against Curtis and pokes it into right field. Curtis got a ground ball, but when you beat the shift, you got to give somebody credit for beating the shift. So after that single, Kevin Cash comes out to the hill and he puts in the sidewinding Ryan Thompson. Michael Brantley steps in, and he singles on a line drive to Randy Arozarena. So the tying run is coming to the plate in the form of Alex Bregman. Ryan Thompson threw a filthy frisbee slider on a payoff pitch to punch out Bregman for the first out of the inning. That was clutch because Bregman coming to the plate as the tying run with nobody out A guy that has his talent, even with some of the struggles that he's had in this postseason, one swing of the bat can snap you right out of it. Then Carlos Correa stepped in, and Correa singled to Joey Wendell. It was a little dribbler ground ball. It was exactly the type of contact that Ryan Thompson wanted, but it was an outside pitch that he rolled over. So Wendell was playing back a little bit, The ball just dribbled into no man's land, and Wendell had to eat it. So the bases are loaded with one out. Kevin Cash decides to go back to the bullpen for Aaron Loop. This is an interesting move because, remember, the rule this year is three batters or you finish the inning. So basically, he's taking the risk of going left-on-left with Kyle Tucker, knowing that a righty in Yuli Gurriel is on deck. Loop had faced Tucker in each of the first two games of this series. Tucker singled both times. Let's just say old Hunter Renfro had one more trick up his sleeve. Bases loaded, one out, bottom of the eighth inning. Astros trailing the Rays 5-2. to two. Aaron Loop squaring up with Kyle Tucker, who at this point represents the go-ahead run. Here's a 2-1. In the air, right field. and Renfro another brilliant catch. It was a fantastic catch made by Hunter Renfro, but the key, as you heard at the end of the call, is that no runners tagged. Here is why no runners tagged. The ball was hit shallow enough, and Jose Altuve is the runner at third. The ball is hit shallow enough to where once you see it drop, you want to sprint home. If the ball is caught, you want to be able to get back to the bag easily. However, if the ball drops and you're on the bag waiting to tag, there's a chance you could get forced out at the plate, which is, just to put it simply, quite embarrassing. And Jose Altuve certainly has been around the game long enough to know exactly what type of lead you take in that situation when you see where the ball is traveling. So Altuve was not in a position to tag. If the ball drops, he scores easily, and more than likely, everybody else just moves up one base. Instead, Loop gets a fly out that's an unproductive out from Tucker, 
Yuli Gurriel comes up next. He grounds out. Inning over. Crisis averted. In the ninth inning, Diego Castillo got into some trouble. We don't have any audio highlights for this, but I'll just describe to you what happened. One out. Abraham Toro walks. Then George Springer walks, which brings Jose Altuve to the plate as the tying run. 2-2 count against Castillo. He appears to check his swing on a ball that was low. Should have been a full count. However, home plate umpire Jeff Nelson calls him out, says that he swung. He does not ask first base umpire Ted Barrett for an appeal on the swing. So Altuve doesn't even get the benefit of the appeal. Nelson makes the call himself. Based on video replay, it was pretty evident, at least from the angles that we saw, that Altuve did not swing. Michael Brantley then flew out to center field to end the ball game. Rays win 5-2. They are one win away from going to their first World Series since 2008, which would be just the second World Series appearance in franchise history. Ryan Yarbrough, the win. He goes five innings of two-run baseball, allows only three hits, walks two, strikes out five, his only two runs, a pair of solo homers. Jose Urquidy takes the loss, five innings of two-run baseball, just one run earned, four hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. The blown save to Enole Paredes, although you can make the argument that it was Jose Altuve whose error opened up the floodgates, and I know you can't credit a position player with a blown save, but you might as well have given it to Altuve there. Diego Castillo with the save, his second of the series. He goes one inning, no hits allowed, two walks, and two strikeouts. Before I get to some of the advanced stats, let's give you a couple of box score numbers. Randy Arozarena goes three for four with a run scored. He becomes the fourth player in postseason history. This credited to Andrew Simon at Andrew Simon MLB. He is the fourth player in postseason history with four games of at least three hits in the same postseason. The others, Jose Altuve in 2017, Edgar Martinez and Jay Buhner both did it for the Mariners in 1995. Also worth noting that the Rays did not hit a homer in this game, which means they are just the second team of the 26 postseason games with at least a homer to win a game when they are out-homered by their opponent. The Rays didn't hit any homers. The Astros hit two. Joey Wendell goes two for four with two RBI and a run scored. Hunter Renfro, though, One for two with a key pinch hit double, two RBI, and he was amazing defensively with two awesome catches. For Houston, Jose Altuve, two for four with an RBI and a run scored. Michael Brantley, two for five with an RBI and a run scored. Both of those coming on homers. So let's get into some nitty-gritty stats. Let's go with one on the negative for the Astros first. They have stranded 31 base runners through the first three games and are 4 for 24 with runners in scoring position in this series. None of those four hits have produced any runs. That is insane. The fact that you're just 4 for 24 with runners in scoring position, and none of those hits, none of those hits scored a run. 
All right, let's go to Sarah Lang's Twitter feed because she's got awesome stuff. First one, Rays pitchers have stranded each of the first 20 inherited runners they've had so far in this postseason. It's the longest streak of inherited runners stranded to start a postseason all time. It broke a tie at 17 with the 2006 Cardinals. We mentioned that yesterday. Going back to that stat on the Astros, this from Langs as well. The Astros have left 10-plus runners on base in each game this series. They are the first team in postseason history to lose three games in a row, leaving 10-plus runners on base in each. Only one team has had more than three straight games with 10 or more runners left on base in a single postseason. That was the 1973 New York Mets, who did it in four straight games and still managed to go 3-1 and one because baseball. And finally, our last stat on this game, Randy Arozarena has 18 hits this postseason, which is tied for most by a rookie in a single postseason. The only rookies with more are Derek Jeter with 22, that was in 1996, Uli Gurriel with 21 in 2017. Yes, I know he qualifies as a rookie, but he had been playing professionally in Cuba for the previous 15 years and Chipper Jones with 20 in his rookie season in 1995. So that is your ball game. Rays are up three games to nothing in this series. They're going to try and close it out today. It is going to be Tyler Glasnow for Tampa, and all signs point to Zach Greinke getting the ball in game four for Houston. There is another series we have to talk about, It is the Braves and the Dodgers from Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. Braves up one game to nothing. This was supposed to be a premier pitching matchup between the veteran Clayton Kershaw and the rookie Ian Anderson. We did not decide to record an emergency episode earlier yesterday because there was breaking news in the mid-afternoon that Clayton Kershaw had back spasms again, and that he would not be able to make his start, so it would be Tony Gonsolin that would take the ball for Los Angeles. It was a scoreless game going to the top of the fourth inning, and let's just say the NL MVP went boom once again to Globe Life Field for Game 2 of the National League Championship Series between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves. We pick it up. Top of the fourth inning, Tony Gonsolin against Freddie Freeman. He does not run, and this one is driven into right. Goodbye. Freddie Freeman goes deep, and it's a 2-0 Atlanta lead here in the fourth inning. Second homer of the series for Freddie Freeman as the Braves go up 2-0 on the Dodgers in the top of the fourth inning. Ian Anderson, the starter for Atlanta, had some control problems. He allowed just one hit in four innings, but he walked five, he struck out five. He becomes the first starter in Braves franchise history to make three straight scoreless starts in the postseason. So the Braves would have to go to their bullpen early, but they wouldn't have to go to their bullpen before an explosion of runs in the top of the fifth inning. Tony Gonsolin still in the game at that point. We'll give you the play-by-play 
of that fifth inning. Austin Riley strikes out swinging, and then Nick Markakis walks. The next batter to come to the plate against Tony Gonsolin, the rookie Christian Pache. 3-2 pitch, grounded to third, and that's fair down the line. Pollock over to dig it out. Markakis will be brought around third. Seeger throws safe, and it's 3 nothing. So 3 nothing Atlanta after that double from Christian Pache. Dodgers would go to the bullpen for Pedro Baez after Gonsolin walked Ronald Acuna. First batter that Baez faces, well, you know who it is. It's Freddie Freeman. Batting with two on here, and he grounds one through the hole. Into left center field, flying to the plate is Pache. Digging over his third is Acuna. He stays on the bag. Another RBI for Freeman, and it's 4 to nothing Atlanta. Freeman single makes it 4 to nothing Atlanta. They would get two more runs in the inning, thanks in part to a Travis Darno walk with the bases loaded and an Ozzy Albies sacrifice fly. Braves made it 7-0 top of the 7th thanks to a Dansby Swanson RBI ground rule double. However, the Dodgers would start their comeback from there. Bottom 7, Corey Seager with a 3-run homer to make it 7-3. Top 9 against Tyler Kolarik. Ozzy Albies hits another homer into the Atlanta bullpen, and Mark Melanson catches it on the fly yet again. Wow, what are the chances of that happening two games in a row? I hope that Atlanta keeps the same bullpen and doesn't move to the home bullpen for game three. They're going to be the home team today. I kind of hope that Ozzy Albies hits another homer out there and Mark Melanson catches it again. So that would be really cool. So it's 8-3 at that point. Then the Dodgers really start to get after it. Josh Tomlin comes into the game for the bottom of the ninth inning. Corey Seager brings home a run on an RBI double to make it 8-4. Then Max Muncy steps to the plate. And this is where, if you're a Braves fan, you started to feel real queasy. Hits one a ton. That is gone. This is an 8-6 ball game. Muncy touches one off here in the ninth. So the Muncy homer makes it 8-6 in favor of Atlanta. Brian Snitker has to go to the bullpen for Mark Melanson. He faces Will Smith with two out. Again, Muncy's homer came with two out. I forgot to mention that before the home run. But Will Smith reaches on a fielding error. Then Cody Bellinger triples off the right field wall. Smith scores, and the tying run is at third base. A.J. Pollock comes out, and he grounds out hard to third. Austin Riley makes a great play, and he throws Pollock out at first. 8-7, Atlanta beats L.A. They are up 2-0 in the National League Championship Series. Tyler Matzik gets the win. He goes two innings out of the bullpen in relief of Ian Anderson. One hit. No runs, one walk, one strikeout. The loss goes to Tony Gonsolin. He goes four and a third, five runs on three hits, three walks, and seven strikeouts. The save goes to Mark Melanson. He pitches a third of an inning, allows an unearned run on one hit, no walks, and no strikeouts. You can make the argument that he can pitch today since he only threw seven pitches yesterday. For the Dodgers, they used seven bullpen arms, including Alex Wood, who was added to the NLCS roster. 
They used Pedro Baez for just a third of an inning because he really struggled. Dylan Floro pitched two-thirds of an inning. Jake McGee pitched in back-to-back games. Joe Kelly pitched a third of an inning. He only threw four pitches. We have yet to see anything from Kenley Jansen in this series. Blake Trinan, after blowing the game on Monday, was not available last night. Looking at the box score, first we'll start off with victorious Atlanta. Freddie Freeman, two for four, three RBI, two runs scored. That includes a two-run homer. Ozzie Albies, three for four, two RBI, a run scored. That includes a solo homer. Travis Darnot, 0 for 3, 2 walks, an RBI, and a run scored. Dansby Swanson, 2 for 5 with an RBI double. That came in the seventh inning. We had mentioned that a little bit earlier on as well. Nick Markakis, 2 for 4 with a run scored and a walk. Christian Pache, 1 for 5 with an RBI and a run scored. For the Dodgers, Corey Seager goes 2 for 4 with 4 RBI and 2 runs scored. Max Muncy 1 for 3 with his 2 run homer, 1 run scored and 2 walks. Everybody in the Dodgers lineup had at least 1 hit. Seager was the only player with multiple hits. Bellinger 1 for 5, he was the only other player with an RBI. Now to some of the advanced statistics and we're going back to our good friend Sarah Langs. First off, the Braves are 7-0 to start the postseason. Their seven-game winning streak to start a postseason is tied with the 1976 Reds and the 2007 Rockies for the second longest win streak to start a postseason. Only the 2014 Kansas City Royals at eight straight to start the postseason had a longer streak, and that streak started in the American League wildcard game They swept the division series and then swept the ALCS before they got to the World Series against the Giants. Another fantastic stat from Sarah Langs. The Braves have a plus 24 run differential through seven postseason games. It's tied for the second highest run differential through seven games in a single postseason. They are tied with the 2005 Chicago White Sox, who, by the way, only lost one game that entire postseason. It was game one of their ALCS. The best run differential through seven games in the postseason, the 1960 New York Yankees, who through seven games had a plus 28 run differential. That was a full World Series because remember, back then there were no playoffs. You won the pennant and you went to the World Series. That was in a World Series that they lost. And look, run differential is not a stat that necessarily is indicative completely. Because look, you could lose three out of four games. You could beat a team by 10 runs in one game, lose by one run in the other three, and you still have a run differential of plus seven. So run differential isn't exactly, in my opinion, the most telling stat when it comes to a team's performance. But it is worth talking about when you're trying to measure performance of one team against another. There are not any stats for the Dodgers that are really eye-popping at me. So I'm just going to leave it off. Langs gives a lot of exit velocities. And quite frankly, I don't really care that much about exit velocities. So... Actually, here is one more Atlanta Braves stat from Langs. 
The Braves have left 10-plus runners on in three straight games, are 3-0, the first team to do that in three straight games in a single postseason and win them all. Meanwhile, the Astros have done the same thing in three straight games. They're 0-3, and they're the first team to do that in three straight games and lose them all. The 1973 New York Mets, as we had mentioned earlier, they went 3-1 in four straight games when they had left 10-plus runners on base in all four of those ballgames. So we are going to wrap it up here on MLB Morning Coffee. Appreciate everybody that has tuned in. A couple of news and notes to leave you with before we say goodbye. We told you we were going to talk a little bit about what happened to Tommy Pham. It's a really unsavory story. It was outside of a San Diego nightclub. Honestly, I don't believe that nightclubs should be open right now, especially in California. But basically, somebody picked a fight with him and stabbed him in the back. Now, I haven't read any of the police reports. It sounds like Pham wasn't doing anything wrong. And I actually have it wrong. It was not a nightclub, but a strip club. Look, during COVID, those should not be open. Just Let's just agree that those should not be open right now. And I'm glad that Tommy Pham is alive. I'm glad that he is apparently going to make a very swift recovery. But again, you got to be smart with what you're doing. And our final other thing that happened story, Billy Bean may be leaving the Oakland Athletics and getting out of baseball altogether. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, Red Sox owner John Henry wants him to take over business operations for the Liverpool Soccer Club, which, believe it or not, is the most valuable asset that Henry has. It is more valuable than the Red Sox. So there is a chance that Billy Bean is going into business operations and leaving his beloved game of baseball behind. And if he does that, we will have a special tribute episode to the career of Billy Bean, the baseball executive, somebody that, in the minds of many, changed the game forever. That's it here on MLB Morning Coffee. Appreciate you tuning in. As always, Black Lives Matter. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot to give you the pitching matchup for the Braves and the Dodgers Game 3. It'll be Julio Urias for Los Angeles, and it will be Kyle Wright for Atlanta. Dave Roberts said... He expects Clayton Kershaw to pitch in the series, but it will not be Game 3. They are hopeful that it will be Game 4. All right, now we're done here on MLB Morning Coffee. Take care, everybody, and enjoy the baseball.